before you and we do lift you up we praise you thank you for the price paid on calvary for us and lord i pray that you help us to rest and trust in that alone not trying to do good works not trying to buy our way to heaven not try to compete with the price you paid but help us by faith to rest entirely in you Lord, I pray that you be with us as we have this service tonight, as we're going to partake 
of communion. I pray that it would be your spirit that woos us, moves in our hearts, help us to reflect and to consider the great and wondrous gift we've received. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing, Springs of Living Waters. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame, and nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came, where springs of living water did abound. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh wonderful and bountiful supply. How sweet the living water from the hills of God, it makes me glad and happy all the way. Now glory, grace, and blessing mark the path I've trod. I'm shouting hallelujah every day. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh wonderful and bountiful supply. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. No chilling winds nor poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and fear no more. Bound for the promised land, I am bound for the promised land.
Let's take our Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark, if you would please. Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to go this evening. And as I mentioned this morning, tonight we're going to do the Lord's Supper. We're going to do communion. And uh, we're going to build it all right out of this text this evening as we talk about communion. There are, some, there are some things that I want you to see that come from this event concerning our Christian faith. So when you come to Mark chapter 14, verses 12 down through 21, we see some things unfolding that help us as Christians step back and reflect and consider. So listen as I read to you Mark chapter 14, verses 12 down through 21. In the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the goodman of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them. And they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him, One by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Go were good were it for that man if he had never been born. And I'm going to stop there. And when we do communion, I'm going to go farther down in the text. But I want you and I to see some things that come out of this event concerning our Christian walk. First of all, I want you to see that all that is transpiring here is built around faith. So it's an event born in faith. Communion is part of our Christian faith. When you look at verses 12, 13, 14, and 15, you see everything wrapped into these men listening to Jesus and believing Jesus. When you look at verses 12 and 13, let me read them again to you. The first day of unleavened bread when they killed the Passover, <coughs> killed the Passover his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And listen what he says. And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. It's a very interesting thing because Jesus doesn't really give them a straight answer, does he? He doesn't say you need to go to such and such a street. And there you'll find a house with such a number. And then I want you to go up to the second floor to the upper room. It's not what he does at all. Instead, he gives them instructions where they need to listen, obey, and follow. 
he tells them exactly what to do. I want you to go into the city. And there, when you go into that city, you'll come across a man bearing a pitcher of water. And then I simply want you to follow him. It's interesting in all of our Christian lives. We oftentimes want the Lord to do a little dot to dot for us of all the directions and the things we should do. But instead, he just simply says to us, no, you need to wait. Just listen to me. Do what I tell you. And follow. And I'll lead you. I'll show you the way. And that's very much a part of our daily Christian walk. We would love to go ahead and have signs that tell us everywhere and all of that. But the Lord wants us to be obedient followers of him. Yielded to him. In a much more, uh, a much more sincere way than just going down the road with road signs telling us where to take a right or a left. He tells them, go to this city. There you're going to encounter a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And it tells us they did exactly that. And you and I in our Christian lives, we must do exactly that. Follow him. John, 18, John 8 verse 12 says, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but, but shall have the light of life. You and I simply need to follow. Listen, obey, follow the Lord day by day in our lives. As you come down to verse 16, you find an emphasis on obedience. Look at what it says in verse 16. And his disciples went forth, came into the city, found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. It's one verse that condenses all that transpired. These men had listened closely. They went specifically to the city, and there they watched, and they waited, and there, there came a man carrying a pitcher of water. And they just went ahead and followed him along. As he came to a specific place, they went in. And they did exactly what the Lord had told them to do. They say to the household owner, where is it that the master would have us to have Passover? And he brings them upstairs to the upper room. But you find these steps of obedience. And sometimes even when we have to just trust and obey and rest and take our time, when we finally figure it out, are we always obedient? Here they are obedient. They're going to do what the Lord has asked them to do. In John chapter 17, you find Christ's prayer. Now, it's not the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name prayer. But instead, John 17 is the actual sincere prayer of Jesus Christ talking to the Heavenly Father. He's not trying to teach us how to pray. He's praying. He prays about himself. He prays about his followers. And he prays for all believers who are to come. But when we're talking about obedience, it's interesting that in his prayer, he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So in Christ's prayer to the heavenly father, he says, Lord, I've been obedient. I've done exactly what you asked me to do. I glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work you called me to do. Now he is going to yet still go to the cross, 
which is all part of what God required. But he wants the Lord to know in his prayer, Lord, I have been obedient. It's interesting, Father down in the prayer, remember I told you he prays about himself. He prays about his followers and then he prays for all believers who will come. John 17, 18, in this long prayer, he says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Because the Lord is not only talking to God about his obedience and going and doing, but he says, Heavenly Father, I've sent mine, those who are following me, those who have put their faith and trust in me, I have also sent them into the world to be obedient. So every one of us, whether we're young or old, whether we're new converts to Christ or whether we've been Christians for decades and decades, you and I are all called to be obedient. And we are all called to go forth, even as God the Father asked God the Son and sent him forth to the earth to die for the sins of mankind. So he sends us to our neighbors, our friends, to go and to shine the light upon the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come a little farther down in the text, verses 17 and 18, we find that this event was born in unity. This is an event of the local church. You're going to find Jesus Christ and his apostles in the upper room. Look at what takes place. As we pick it up in verse 17. And in the evening he cometh with who? The twelve. the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. That's an interesting thing to transpire. He tells us that it is the inner circle. It is the church. It is the church that he has started and established. He's got lots of disciples who are following, but he only has 12 who have made a life commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, there's one, there's one who will betray. Go with me if you would in your New Testament to Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. I want us all to read these verses together so that we can say the apostles' names, so that we can hear them and they can be a part of us. Listen to Matthew chapter, or look with me at Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to read together verses 2 down through 4. And we'll take our time. Some of these names you don't say very often. We don't find them an awful lot in the scriptures, but we find them here. So let's read verses 2 and three and four together. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, who is called, uh, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These are the twelve. Now, lots of time in Sunday school, we have the boys and girls learn and memorize those names. But then as years go by, because we don't hear those names all the time, we don't talk about 
Thaddeus or Bartholomew. We kind of forget those names. But here, this is the inner circle of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is those who went to that upper room. These are the unified brethren at that time in the church. But it's so interesting that one out of 12 is a betrayer. And for you and I as a church, small or large, whether it's a church of 12 or 1,200 or 12,000, because there are huge, huge churches in the world, some astoundingly large, whether small or large, we have this example that one out of 12 is a devil. This makes us all step back and just take a moment and understand that we have to walk with the Lord, serve together, but you can never think to yourself that your faith rises and falls on somebody else's faith because you don't know. You don't know, I don't know, who's genuine and sincere and is going to run their race and finish their course. If you build all your faith on somebody else other than Jesus, then what happens when they turn out to be a Judas? What happens when one out of the 12 falls by the wayside and denies Christ? If they were the one you were following, then you yourself become a denier and fall by the wayside and ruin your Christian testimony and your Christian walk. Here, this is a warning to us all. God could have certainly done it many different ways, couldn't he? He could have not chose Judas as one of his 12 right from the get-go. Do you think he didn't know when he chose him that this was going to be his betrayer? Oh, he knew. But he had a lesson for us all to learn throughout all Christendom to understand there are those who will come and partner with you, but then they'll fall away. And we have to just keep on being faithful. Keep on being faithful. The other 11 had to keep on being faithful. Did that mean they never stumbled or tripped or fell? We know they did. You can't have a... A worse example than Peter. I mean, wow. But he got back up. Judas Iscariot did not. Peter made sure his, his faith was genuine and real. And even though he cursed Christ, denied him three times, when he caught the eye of the Lord, and it's so symbolic of that work of the Holy Spirit within each of our hearts, and it made him stop and think, and he left that place and wept. And when we see him come back, he is renewed, rejuvenated, ready to serve the Lord. You don't see that with Judas. So we find in here this amazing uh, turn of events that makes us step back and look and just take a moment and reflect and understand that while, yes, there was great unity going up those stairs, up into that upper room, gathering around that table, some of it was not real. There was one there 
who was not genuine. As we come down into verses 18 through 21, we find that this event was also born in a structure of reflection and introspection. And still today for you and I, when we come and do the Lord's Supper, when we have communion, it is very much a time when we ourselves step back and reflect and consider what Jesus did for us and where we are in our walk with him. Are we a Judas Iscariot? Is it all a, a charade? Are we doing it because we want to get some gain? For he himself was very crooked. Are we genuine and real? Look at what transpires as we come down into verses 18 through 21. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, is it I? And then another said, is it I? And he answered and said unto them, it is one of the 12 that dippeth with me in the dish. So as they sat and they ate and in that culture and in that world and that society at that time, they weren't eating with forks and knives. Their food would come in great large dishes and they would all share. And they would take their, like Peter bread, and they would take that bread and scoop it up and eat it. In fact, when Brother John Connerup was here uh, during our missions emphasis, we were talking about him growing up in Africa. And he told me, he said, they think it's ridiculous that you and I use Forks, spoons, knives. He said, that's all for preparation. But when you sit down to eat, it's a communal meal. He said, they bring it and it's in a big platter. Everybody sits around and they take bread and everybody dips in and they eat. And they double dip too. <laughs> and they dip in and they eat. And they dip in and they eat. And if they have to, they run out of bread, they use their fingers. They think it's crazy that we're sitting around with napkins and knives and forks on the exact right side. The Lord's Supper, when he came together, that food was laid out and he dipped his bread in. And he said, I want you to understand that it is one of the 12 sitting around here with me who's dipping his bread in the sop. It is one of these 12 that will deny me. And it's interesting to see the introspection as each one looks and says, is it I? And then another says, is it I? And sometimes even ourselves, we have to step back and ask ourselves, where, I, where am I in my sincerity? Lord, am I right with you? Am I where I should be in my walk with you? Lord, I struggle over here. Give me victory. Help me to conquer these things that so easily beset me. Because I want to be sincere and genuine. And so these apostles, as they look at him, they simply ask him, Is it me, Lord? Am I the denier? Now we know who the denier is. We just read the names of the 12. 
And when his name is read forevermore, it will be Judas Iscariot who denied the Lord. You and I in our lives, we need to remember too that our lives are recorded. Our lives are written down. You know, when we go to the last part of the book of Revelation and it tells us the books were opened, it's talking about the books of our lives. It's all said and done when it comes down to the Lamb's book of life. But we do want to remember our lives are written down. How sincere and genuine. I mean, how horrible to have your name written down and have it say, betrayer. I challenge us all. It is, it is a long road. It's a long race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon to be a Christian. You see people who step up and they get involved and they fall by the way. And, we, and it hurts us and it breaks our heart. But we can't fall by the way because they did. Or somebody hurts our feelings or somebody makes us mad. Somebody cuts us off in the parking lot. I don't know. Can't go stomping off and not come back. Amen? Amen. We're so much more sincere than a Judas. We have to be genuine. We have to examine ourselves. And we do have to make things right, don't we? Because all of us find ourselves off the mark and needing to get back on. Tonight, as we come down into verses 22 through 26, we find what transpired in that upper room. It is interesting that in this particular text, we don't see him give all the details of what went on with Judas Iscariot. Not in Mark. Mark simply tells us, as they did eat, Jesus took bread. He blessed and break it. He gave to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup when he had given thanks. He gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So here we find Mark give us this account of the Lord's Supper. And we've talked about this before, that each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have the synoptic Gospels, and then you have John, who John gives other details of other things, doesn't always give the same details that Matthew, Mark, and Luke give. Here... We find that Mark condenses the version a little bit. He, he doesn't address all the same things, but it doesn't mean they didn't happen. It's kind of like Sandra Joe and I. If we're having the same exact conversation with Kelsey, Sandy is going to fill in 45 details that I'm probably not. And then I'm going to tell it to Kelsey, and Kelsey's going to wonder, well, what about that and that and that? And I'll say, go talk to Sandra Joe. She's got all the details. All of us are a little different in how we tell an event. What was important to us? What stood out? And so here, Mark cuts to the chase. 
He's going to bring us right to the communion that took place in that upper room as Jesus is celebrating that Passover. And he wants them to understand that as he partakes in Passover, it's pointing to the events that are getting ready to unfold. His shed blood, his broken body. And so that is what we're going to do tonight. But before we do that, we're going to do a couple things that we've learned from this text. I'm going to ask you, are you a person of faith? Do you remember Jesus said to these two disciples, he says, I simply need you to go to the city. And there I want you to look and watch. And you're going to see a man carrying a jar of water. Don't want you to talk to him. I just want you to follow him. And when you see him go into a house, that's the house. Are we people who are of such genuine faith that we don't need Jesus to give us a dot to dot in our lives, but rather we can learn to just follow as he leads? We should reflect on that. We should think about that. And then when the pieces do come together, are we obedient? Because it's one thing to see the map, it's another to follow the map. Lots of folks are not obedient. We need to be obedient. And what about our unity? Here we see 12 with one of them being a betrayer, a devil. And we have to ask ourselves, is it I, Lord? Is it me? That's introspection. That's reflection. That's looking deep within ourselves and asking ourselves, am I born again? Am I right with Jesus? Have I followed in that first step of obedience and baptism? Am I right with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I doing that which is sincere in my faith? That's a time of reflection, introspection. And as we do that, we prepare our hearts we prepare our hearts to really think about the price paid for us. That shed blood, that broken body, all for us, because he was the sinless lamb of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And our tradition is that we sing, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And that is our dismissal prayer, as well as our song. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. God bless you. We are dismissed.